Agutavach, Shavua Tov, welcome to another week of 30 Letters in 30 Days. Baruch Hashem. We're halfway through, and uh, I wanted to share some of the feedback, really, really special, incredible feedback that we've been getting. And I want to encourage you that if you have feedback, go to 30letters30days.com and leave feedback there. But I just want to share some of the feedback that we've been getting. It's really special stuff. Uh, one was a story I heard. Um, a woman was asked to give a, a class, and the hostess, the one whose house the class was in, said to her, why don't you give one of those letters from the booklet? And so she said, okay, why not? And she randomly, everything's but she just said, okay, I'll pick a letter. And she picked, um, I think it was our third letter, the letter to uh, Mordechai Rich from Melbourne about the school. Anyway, so this woman's teaching the class, and all of a sudden the lady whose home the class is in starts to look very emotional and like hanging on every single word. And afterwards, the woman who is giving the class asks the woman who's hosting, what's going on? I saw you reacting very intensely. She said, you don't understand. I'm involved in a school, and we brought in a very top-notch specialist, an educator, to come and revamp a bunch of stuff. And uh, he keeps pushing that we need higher academic standards. And I want that. Of course I want that. But at the same time, I want to make sure we're educating the whole student, not just the, the academics, but the middos, the personality, the, the, the whole child. And you said something in that letter that the Rebbe told this person that we know that historically the role of a school was to educate children so that they would be knowledgeable, they, they would be scholars. But today the role of a school is to keep them in the fold. Of course, it's nice to educate them to excel in academics as well. But the main fundamental purpose of the school is to keep them within Jewish life. She said, I didn't know how to explain to this guy. And every time I tried to open my mouth, I felt like I didn't have what to defend myself with. And now I have the letter from the Rebbe saying that the purpose of a school is not just academics. Academics are good. But the school is to keep children connected to Yiddishkeit. So... Uh, this was something that she was struggling for the right words and the right, the right message. And then, boom, there it was for her at the right time, in the right way. Okay, that was, that was uh, very moving for me. I should also mention some of the meetings that are happening around, the groups that are gathering around all over the world. I think I mentioned before the Melbourne group. They got together again this Shabbos. Uh, Metro Detroit had three gatherings, three different locations in the Detroit metropolitan area on Shabbos, with each group being facilitated by a different leader. In Baltimore, there was a group, um, there was one group on Shabbos, no, there's going to be a group tomorrow on Sunday, and then another group on Shabbos. Uh, also, I'm going to read some feedback here. Uh, thank you for the 30 Letters program. It has deepened my connection more and more with the Rebbe on so many levels. I wish the program would continue even after the Rebbe's 120th. Okay, here's another one. It's Mamish Beyond Any Learning Initiative I've Joined Maybe in Decades. Okay, Baruch Hashem. Listening, enjoying, and sharing a gift not only for the Rebbe, but for all of us. And here's another one. Uh, I'm finding that learning these powerful letters every day changes your brain. Ah, that's 
the the best thing you could say because that's what I get from the letters. It doesn't. I've said this before. The Rebbe doesn't tell you what to think. The Rebbe t- teaches you how to think. It's it's a retraining of of your. Uh, approach to everything in life. Somebody was just asking me today on Shabbos, we had a Shabbos guest and uh, we were talking and he was saying, well, what do you do about the fact that, you know, sometimes the Rebbe will say one thing to one person and another thing to another person and, you know, how do you know which answer you should take to heart? And I said, you know, first of all, we, the Rebbe himself makes this disclaimer all the time that different people get different answers and there's no one size fits all for everybody. But I, what I said to him is, to me, the Igris are not about what the Rebbe said as much as how the Rebbe said it. For me, what I learned from the Igris is not necessarily what the Rebbe told this person and what the Rebbe told that person, because it could be different for this person, that person, and another person. What I learned from the Igris is how the Rebbe answers each person, the style, the, the, the approach. There's a certain logic. There's a certain way of thinking, of, uh, of processing information. And that's something you can apply to everything, even things that you didn't explicitly hear the Rebbe talk about. Okay. Um, wow. There's so much here to talk about, but I think we should jump into our letter for tonight. This is letter number 14. Letter number 14. Okay. Baruch Hashem. Hey. No, I'm sorry. Ches Tevis. Tovshin Tes Vav, Brooklyn. This is the eighth day of the Hebrew month of Tevis. And the Rebbe addresses this to Shedas Besari Modest Dverleya Tichya. To my relative, Miss or Mrs. Dverleya, Bracha Veshalom. Again, Bracha Veshalom. That's how the Rebbe addresses a woman. Who is this relative of the Rebbe? Mrs. Dvaralea. This is Dvaralea Horenstein. Dvaralea, of course, is a good old Chabad name. The Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, had a daughter, Dvaralea, who was Meisir Nefesh on his behalf. Um, this Mrs. Horenstein, or Horenstein, or however you want to pronounce it, um, her husband, I should first mention his Yichos, uh, Reb Schleime, was a cousin of Mendel Horenstein. And so that's his relationship with Beis Harav. Now, he was a Bayaner Chassid, and in fact, when he was Nifter, the Rebbe went to his Levaya and actually escorted the Levaya as far as the Bayaner Beis Medrash on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And there was act, there's, a, there's a famous picture actually there of, of the Rebbe the Lubavitch Rebbe with the Bayana Rebbe at the Levaya. That's at Reb Shlema's uh, Levaya. Now, Dveralea has her own yichus. She was a granddaughter of Rav Yesef Yitzchok Mavruch. Now, Yesef Yitzchok, you know, is the name of the Fidik Rebbe, the Rebbe's father-in-law. How did the Rebbe Reyats get that name? Yesef Yitzchok, he was named after his grandfather through his mother's side. See, the, the Friedrich Rebbe's father, the Rebbe Rashab, was a grandson of the Tzemach Tzedek. And the, the Friedrich Rebbe's mother, Rebbe Tzinshter Nasara, was also descended from the Tzemach Tzedek, but 
Whereas the Friedrich Rebbe's father, the Rebbe Rashab, was descended from the Tzemach Tzedek through the Rebbe Maharash, who became the successor, who became the Lubavitcher Rebbe after the Tzemach Tzedek. So the Friedrich Rebbe's mother was descended from the Tzemach Tzedek through the fifth son. The Tzemach Tzedek had seven sons. Through the fifth son, Rav Yesef Yitzchok. And the Friedrich Rebbe was named after this Rav Yesef Yitzchok. So this Dveralea Horenstein, she was descended from the from Rav Yesef Yitzchok Mavruch, who was the fifth son of the Tzemach Tzedek, which made her a first cousin of the Friedrich Rebbe. So, and, and also a relative of the Rebbe. So the Rebbe addresses her as my relative. Okay. Um, let's see the Rebbe's letter. Noam li lekabel michtava Megimel Tevis. It was very pleasing to me to receive your letter from the third day of the Hebrew month of Tevis. And even more so to see the contents of the letter. In other words, it was nice just to get a letter from you. Even if I didn't even open it before I even opened it, it was just nice to get a letter from you. And then even more so, the bonus, the Teuchen was very nice. I really appreciated what you wrote. Okay, what did she write? The Rebbe says right here, Zichrenei Seha, your memories, miyamim sha'avru, from the old days, oides klaster ponem haruchni shal imo harabonis, Allah shalom, ve'efi tfilosa. Your memories about your mother and her spiritual, uh, call it her, her character, spiritual character or her, uh, a spiritual portrait, and especially the way you described her davening the way that your mother davened. It is known, the perspective of our Torah, that very often and uh, regularly, oftentimes, Thought is considered more powerful even than speech or action. Okay, a little basic Tanya here. You know, uh, Tanya, Perig Dalad speaks about, you know, Perig Dalad of Tanya, okay, speaks about uh, the three Levushim. The three ways in which the soul expresses itself. So uh, these are behaviors. These are behaviors. These are ways to outwardly express what you have going on inside. Now, action, maise, physical action. You get up and you walk over to the pushka and you put the dollar in the pushka and give tzedakah, right? That's an obvious action. Then you have dibur. Dibur is a little bit more refined than action. You're not getting up and going anywhere. You're, you're just saying words. But dibur is also an action. Dibur Speech is reckoned like action. There are mitzvahs that that are based on oral articulation, like um, like uh, saying uh, Shema or Birkas uh, Hamazin or Shmei But then there's something called Machshava, which is even more rarefied and more abstract even than speech. And Machshava is always sort of like the... <laughs> Among the three soul garments, you always kind of look at it like, is it a soul garment or is it not? I mean, it's all going on inside of your head. Is it really an activity? Is it really a behavior? And Titus says, yes, it is. 
It is. In fact, the example of this is Leisachmoid, the, the prohibition, the last of the, ten, the, of the Ten Commandments, because that's something that's actually a thought. Um, don't covet is a thought. So that's like the, 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 the archetype or the, the, the paragon of uh, thought being governed by, by Torah law. The point is <clears throat> that a lot of times, machshava, thought gets a bad rap, and you say like, eh, thought, what's thought? It's just a thought. And the truth is, as the Rebbe is about to explain here, thought is a big deal. Um, in fact, if you learn the Fidik Rebbe's Sichas, specifically Lekuti Diburim, which are two volumes of, uh, well, they were printed it as two volumes, uh, of the Fidik Rebbe's Sichas throughout the years, the very first Sicha, first Fabrengen, <coughs> is from, uh, I think it's 1933 in Riga. And it's Shmini Atzeres. I think it might be 1932 or 33. I have to look it up. But it was after the Friedrich Rebbe left Soviet Russia, where he he had to leave because of the persecution there. So the Friedrich Rebbe is fabrenging in Riga, Latvia, and he's speaking about which is a, a, a saying of the sages. It's actually, it's a Gemara in Sanhedrin. But the idea that thought is reckoned by halacha, by Torah, as significant. <clears throat> there are practical ramifications of thought. So the Vinegar is speaking about thought, and thought is real, and thought has an effect, <clears throat> and he's encouraging Chassidim, use your imagination. The power of imagination is, is a real thing. And... Um, one of the chassidim at the Fabrengen turns to the Friedrich Rebbe and says, it's very nice, but what does the person who's being thought about have benefit from it? <laughs> Meaning, <laughs> it's nice for the thinker. It's nice, so the thinker is thinking and enjoying his own thoughts. But the person you're thinking about, how is he benefiting from that? And the Friedrich Rebbe looks at this Chassid, who just asked this question, it says, no, and where were you last Sukkis? <laughs> Meaning to say, this Chassid who asked the question was stuck behind the Iron Curtain, was in the Soviet Union just a year prior, and the Fidik Rebbe was telling him, it was because I was thinking about you that you're now here in Latvia with me. So you're asking me what benefit is thinking? Thinking can do a lot. There's a Ahayem Yem from Yudalad Shvat, which uh, speaks about the power of Machshava. It says there that just like when you stare at somebody, they turn around. So too, if you think about somebody, it has an effect on them. So thinking is a real thing. And this is what the Rebbe says here. Thinking is powerful. So, in context of the response here to... Uh, to the Rebbe's uh, relative, Mrs. Dveira Leia Horenstein, what is the Rebbe saying? He's saying, it's nice that you are nostalgizing, that you're reminiscing about your mother, that the thoughts, the thinking about your mother is itself something significant. And now here's something very interesting that Rebbe says, Kimei bekama inyonim, as is the case with many things, even secular wisdom has come in recent years to concur with this, to support this, to corroborate this idea. 
a very interesting concept right there that, that I was saying that the idea that Makshava Mayalis, that thought has a real power, this is an old concept. This goes back to the Gemara. But even secular wisdom today, this is 1955, corroborates this idea. Okay, now here's the flip. <laughs> and in so many Igris, I think probably every letter, there's a flip. The flip is where... You know the the guy who calls up a shul and the receptionist answers and says, yes, hello? And the guy says, I'm looking for a one-armed rabbi. The receptionist says, you're looking for what? The guy says, you heard me. I'm looking for a one-armed rabbi. The receptionist says, why are you looking for a one-armed rabbi? And the guy in the other line says, because the rabbi I have now, every time I ask him a question, he answers. But a second later, he says, but on the other hand, <laughs> so I'm looking for a one-armed rabbi. Someone's just going to give me one answer and not tell me the other side of the coin. That's a joke. And we say two Jews, three opinions, and all that stuff. But you want to know something? All Torah contains paradox. Mitzad, the infinity of Hashem's wisdom, and Hashem being nimno hamnimnois, he's completely above and transcendent of any limitations. And that's why, in the words of my ancestor, the Megala Amukais, that Meishez Roshatevis Machlekes Shamai Hillel, that the divergence of opinions in Torah is not a bug, it's a feature. I'll repeat that. The divergence of opinions in Torah is not a bug, it's a feature. I think, if I can editorialize for one moment here, Unfortunately today, and I blame this on the internet al algorithms, we are so extremist today in our thinking. We want black and white, us and them, tell me which side of the issue we're on, and that's it. Go, team, go. And there's no nuance. Tait is all about nuance. Tait is all about elu ve'elu divrelikim chayim. Understanding both perspectives and really to get the full truth, the Aleph Mem Sof from the beginning to the middle to the end, the word Emes is the first letter and the last letter of Aleph Base and the center letter of the Aleph Base, to get the whole truth, you need contradiction. If it's not paradox, it's not Torah. So every Igris has, to me at least, I think, a paradox that pushes us out of black and white extremist thinking, and shows us that we can have our cake and eat it too, to put it in the positive sense. So the Rebbe just got finished saying, thought is powerful, thought is great. Toyota says thought is powerful and great. And now <clears throat> even secular wisdom uh, supports this idea that thought is great. And now what, what's the Rebbe going to say? <laughs> what do you think the Rebbe is going to say? But on the other hand, can't just be thought. There's got to be action. <laughs> but the Rebbe doesn't have to negate thought in order to throw in a mention about action. To the contrary, a true paradox is not a contradiction. A true paradox is something that seems like a contradiction at the outset, but upon further, deeper examination, you realize it's a deeper truth which encompasses opposites. So we don't have to negate we don't have to take thought and throw it under the bus in order to build up Misa and action. To the contrary, you're going to see what the Rebbe is going to do. He's going to say, but here's the deal. Thought has to fuel action. 
So I love the fact that you have these beautiful zichreinos, these memories of how your mother used to daven, but it can't just be thoughts. It can't just be Jewish nostalgia. It's got to get turned into fuel for Jewish action. Okay, let's watch this. Here's the flip. Hello, but on the other hand... Since the whole point of a person is action, you got to draw down the thought and connect it to the action. And by the way, who's the Rebbe writing to? This is an observant Hasidic woman. This isn't a non-observant person that the Rebbe is trying to convince to start lighting Shabbos candles. So I, I just want to mention that because when the Rebbe says action, you might think that Rebbe is speaking to people who are not yet observant, so they need to be told, you know, Yiddish can't just be uh, Yiddish humor and matzo balls. Come on, it can't just be Jewish nostalgia. You got to put it to action, real halacha, real mitzvah observance. You might think that's something that, you know, that I would just tell somebody who's what we used to call the cardiac Jews, the ones who say, I'm Jewish in my heart. Did you put on filling? No, no, it's okay. I'm Jewish in my heart. So we used to call it the cardiac Jews. But uh, you might think that I was only speaking to that crowd. That I was speaking to a fully observant Hasidic woman, his relative. Everyone can use an encouraging word about more action and more action and more action. That's what the soul came to this world for. Why do you think the soul had to be disturbed to come out of heaven from its bliss and be plunged down into a body with an animal soul as a next-door neighbor and all, all that inconvenience for what? Obviously, the point is to use that body and to use our, our uh, environment, our physical, the physical world around us to do actions. Hayyem la saysim. This is, this is the time, meaning physical embodiment is the time for physical action. Okay. Now, if it's true about everyone, and it is true about everyone, that they can be an influence to, to, on their immediate environment and to some extent even far away from them, as long as you put forth the adequate effort. Okay, so that's a, an axiom that everybody can be an influencer. Everybody can have an effect on their immediate environment and to some extent even far away from them as long as they put forth effort. So therefore, Allah has come of a kama. How much more so? This is true. Somebody, when we're speaking about somebody like you, my cousin, who is descended from those people, he's talking about the Rabbeim, who are, and this is interesting, the term that Rabbi uses to describe his cousin's holy ancestors, he calls them the Anche Haruch, together with that, you see, you have both there. Anche Haruch, People of ruach, ruach means spirit, the emotional or the spiritual. And then gibede hamaise, people who are strong in their actions. So there you have, again, the machshava, thought, and the maise, the action. Certainly, you have inherited their capacities. It's interesting, we had that letter 
Erev Shabbos to the Kvutas Nidus, to the young ladies, and the Rebbe was telling them about the, what I called the, the epigenetics, that you got your parents' courage. So the Rebbe is saying this to his cousin, uh, Ms. Horenstein, that you, in, you inherited this, this strength from the Rebbeim that you're descended from. Okay. This is also, now that it goes back to the idea of memory, of thought, that when you have thoughts, thoughts have the power to awaken that inheritance, that holy inheritance, that, that DNA, and trigger it into an active state. So again, the Rebbe is going back to memory, back to the idea of thought, but coupling it with action and saying, look, the memories are good in as much as what? They trigger this latent spiritual inheritance you have and make it come out, which means into action. Okay. And at that propitious time, meaning when you're reminiscing and you're getting your, getting your spiritual DNA Working. You got to use it out. You got to cash it in on actual stuff, on action. This is powerful right here. When you do that, when you actually cash it in and use it for some type of activity, that is a rectification of those koiches, those spiritual powers that you were given. Tikun ha'adam. It's also your personal tikkun. It completes and rectifies you. And it also creates an aliyah, ascent after ascent, meaning they've already ascended, but now they're going to ascend even more, for your parents and your parents' parents. See, you hear what the Rebbe is saying, that when you, you, when you reminisce and it causes you to take that excitement and put it into action, then what happens is it is a tikkun for those koiches that you have. Otherwise, they're squandered. Those potentials are squandered. But when you actually use them out for some type of action, now it's a tikkun for those koiches. It's a tikkun for yourself. And also, the Rebbe mentions, very fulfilling for yourself. And it's an aliyah for your ancestors who gave you these koiches. So think about that. When you reminisce and you think about them and it moves you to action, but only if it translates to action, it's good for you, it's good for them. Just such a beautiful description. Okay. Now here's another concept. And I wish I had another half an hour. You know, a lot of people have complained that we don't have enough time to cover these letters deeply enough, and I agree because technically I'm supposed to be done in three minutes and I could go for at least 30 just with this paragraph. Don't dismiss small things. If a tiny little thing... Tell me what the Rebbe is speaking about. If a tiny little thing could destroy an entire metropolis and all of its population, what's the Rebbe speaking about? The atom bomb. It's 1955. By the way, there's a 
a Fabrengen from Purim, Tavshin Yud Aleph, where the Rebbe speaks at length about this idea, about the atomic reaction. A tiny, tiny, the tiniest little piece of matter starts a chain reaction, which could, God forbid, wipe out an entire metropolis. So if that exists in the midis peronis, in the negative attribute, how much more so in the positive? So the Rebbe says, don't turn your nose up at small things, because really there's nothing small, because even you see now, that a tiny little atom can unleash this massive power. And if that's true with negative things, how much more so is it true with positive things? Okay, so uh, let's continue. The good attribute is disproportionately greater than the negative. So therefore, shepu'ula hanidas le'ene basa v'sichle kitana something that to our physical eyes or to our limited human intellect appears to be trivial, that little thing could actually be the thing that quote-unquote justifies a whole life of 70, 80 years. 70, 80 years that I'm singing it. To jog your memory. That's also nostalgia. If you, if you, by the way, singing Ganya Soul Camp songs has to bring to action. That's what I'm really trying to say over here. Okay? Nostalgia is great when it brings to action. The smell of your grandmother's chicken soup is beautiful when it leads to action. Okay. Listen to what the Rebbe says here. We all know that saying for 70, 80 years, right? It's a Hayemim, actually. You know which Hayemim it is? Hey, ear. Interesting. Hey, ear. The, the Hayemim is. The Baal Shem Tov saying that a neshama could come down to the world and live in, in this world for 70 or 80 years just for one thing, to do a favor for another Jew. And uh, it's interesting here the way that Ebbe gives just a couple extra words here in this letter beyond the known saying of the Baal Shem Tov, but the couple extra words that Ebba adds here totally changes my understanding of what that saying of the Baal Shem Tov means. Watch here. So the Rebbe says sometimes one little thing could justify your whole 70, 80 year lifespan. And here's the couple extra words. Umamala, flip the page, and fill them all entirely with meaning. See, it's not just, <laughs> so you spent 70, 80 years, and now Hashem, with modern medicine, lifespans are much longer than that. I don't want to freak anyone out with the 70, 80 years. Today, Hashem, they say that people are going to live to 120 very soon. Okay. Um, it's not just that one little thing justifies the whole lifespan and that means so i'm sitting around here on the bench saying coach put me in coach put me in and then they put me in for one second and i shoot the buzzer beater shot hooray okay but the rest of your time you're just sitting on the bench okay but i can't when the, when they needed me on the floor i came out for the one second of actual playing time i got that was good playing time the rest of the time i was sitting on the bench no no, no. the rebbe adds these words here that one little thing and I think this is also connected to the, 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 the reference to the atomic reaction that the Rebbe made in this same paragraph here. It's not just the atom. It's how the atom initiates a chain reaction. So it's not just that one moment 
that was meaningful. But when that moment occurs, it spreads its meaning out and fills the entire lifespan with that meaning. So it's not like you were sitting around passive doing nothing until that one moment that you came to the world for it. No, no, it's that moment is the crowning moment that imparts meaning by extension to the entire context of your life. Everything that led up to that moment and everything that that moment leads up to. Now, if that's not mind blowing enough, if that's not mind blowing enough, we spoke about in the previous letter, the intergenerational aspect of things. And the Rebbe is hinting to it here, not hinting to it, the Rebbe is saying explicitly here about the intergenerational stuff. And the Rebbe said that you're giving, when you use your nostalgia about your holy uh, forebearers and you translate it into action, you're not just giving yourself a tikkun, you're giving them an aliyah as well. The Rebbe is going to say it even more explicitly. How that small, even that very small thing that you do, not only fills your entire life with meaning, not just your lifetime, but lifetimes, plural, because it reaches back through history. Think about that. It's not just every moment that you lived that led up to that seemingly small moment of atomic reaction. It's all the lifetimes of all your ancestors that added up to get to this point for you to do this one little thing, little I put in quotes, thing, because it's not little at all. It's filling your entire life with Teuchen and all the lifetimes of your ancestors. Powerful stuff. Okay, let's, let's look here. Now that Rebbe actually quotes the saying of the Balshemtiv, as kumtarap anashama of der Welt und laptop zibitzik achtzik yor zu libtona yidin a teve begashmis befrat in ruchnias. Like I said, that's the hegemium of hey tevis. Beze, with this, this fulfills the purpose of your souls coming down to this world. And it fulfills the purpose of the descent of the sparks of your ancestors who came down with you, in you. Think about that. That little thing that you did, when that Thought turned into action and moved you to do something. Put the penny in the pushka, whatever it was that seemed tiny and trivial. That not only filled your entire life with teichen and the purpose for which your soul came down to this earth, but also the sparks of your ancestors who came down with you. And it all happened in a tiny, quote-unquote, tiny action. This is just too much. I mean, just every, every line is another mind-blowing concept. All right, we still have half a letter to go. Vizel gamkein pisrein plias mitzvah satfilo. Magid shvoche shalakarish baruchu lacharkach shoyl tzrochov. Now the Rebbe explains another paradox of Judaism. What's the deal with davening? Is davening relating the praise of Hashem? Or is davening asking for what I need? <laughs> they seem very, very opposite, if not mutually exclusive. By the way, this is the famous Tfilas uh, Chana Sicha that Rebbe said on Vav Tishrei and his mother's Yartzeit, his mother who's named Chana as well. It's a famous Sicha, it's in Lukot Sichas, but the Rebbe there speaks about the, the paradox, especially on Rosh Hashanah, 
is it about that we're saying it's you, 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 Hashem, you're the ruler, you're so great, or is it about uh, like, is it about, hold on a second, I'm worried about me, what's going to happen to me? <laughs> Am I going to be healthy? Am I going to be happy? Am I going to have parnosa? And the Rebbe deals with that paradox over there. But here, very big kids, the Rebbe deals with the same paradox. What's up with prayer? Is it about talking about Hashem, or is it about talking about what I need? And the Rebbe explains it very simple. When you're at the state of absolute union with Hashem, if you're davening right, you know, the Shemayin is a state of absolute union with Hashem, where seemingly there's no ego left. The ego, the EGL, the edging got out. That's all gone. And you're just dovak, you're just clinging to Hashem. And the paradox is, at that moment, you say, Hashem, Baruch Aleinu, Bless us, bless my tvua, bless my, my wheat that's growing in the field. Hold on a second. Are you being spiritual at this moment? Or are you talking about wheat in the field? Very strange. But here's the explanation. Because by gathering in this grain, you're going to take that wheat and you're going to make for him, for Hashem, a dwelling place in this world, which is Hashem's deepest desire. So we come full circle. When you get so selfless that you've shed all of your material concerns and you don't care about this world anymore, you just want Hashem, and you get to that point, you come full circle because I only want what you want, Hashem. I only want what you want. And Hashem says, you want to know my deepest desire? I want the physical world to reveal my infinity. Get back down there and sanctify your material possessions and take that grain and bring it home and 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 you're going to sell it and you make money from it and you give tzedakah with it and you're going to support a Jewish family with it and some of the grain maybe you're going to eat it and you're going to have challah for Shabbos and you make a bracha on it sanctify the physical so when you get so spiritual you come back to the material and that's the paradox the Rebbe says, Now we went to a whole new level. Not only this small thing, this small action, this nuclear reaction can fill your life with toichen, and not only it fills all of your ancestors' lives with toichen, but it fulfills the entire purpose of creation through one little daily pedestrian mundane action that you are ready to discount and say, what is it, just making a brocha on, uh, on a cracker? Yeah, and that brocha you make on the cracker could fill your whole life with teichen, your ancestors' sparks within you, fill them with teichen, give them an aliyah, and fulfill the entire purpose for which the Infinite One created this world. And you are going <laughs> to call it small. Nothing small about that. Okay. Now let's get back to those zichreinais, those memories. Bevada yidu Allah, his aninis 
Kveid Kedushas Meidav Echomi Admor Zecher Tzadik Rekodesh Levrocha Lechayelim Habo Nishmasa Beginze Meremim Zchos Hayogen Aleinu Bereshimas Zichreinus Yemei Kedem Bechlal Certainly you know that my father-in-law, the Rebbe, was very interested in people writing memoirs in general. And even more specifically, relatives of the Rebbeim writing family memoirs. For sure, you are also going to do this. Seems like maybe just in passing, she mentioned some memories she had of her mother. As you're going to see, the practical request that she wrote to the Rebbe for was she was asking the Rebbe to send her a letter that the Rebbe had in his possession from her mother. And she was, she described her mother in the letter and some of her mother's qualities, like the way she used to daven. But the Rebbe, in his signature style, says, I like those zichreinus about your mother. You're going to write that up? You're going to make a book? Are we going to see, are we going to see something, maybe some articles? So the Rebbe says, I want you to write more about it. Uh, and especially it's important to be detailed. You should be detailed about it. This should be, you should do this all in good health. Your good health and your husband's good health. We mentioned Reb Shleime, her husband. And uh, should all be uh, in good standing. In honor and blessing, share Bsara, your relative. And then, the nun base, the postscript. This is seemingly what she wrote to the Rebbe for. According to her request, Khan, I've returned to you here, the letter of your mother. So I don't know if that was a letter that her mother wrote to the Rebbe, or maybe it was a letter that she wrote to the Friedrich Rebbe. I, I don't know. I don't want to try to guess. The Rebbe says, I'm returning to you the letter, that, and could it be a letter that, I don't know, that her mother wrote to somebody else entirely. What, whatever it was, the Rebbe was in possession of a letter that her mother wrote, and the Rebbe is returning to her, her mother's letter. And you see, the Rebbe could have just written, again, the P.S. could have been the whole letter. Oh, uh, you want your mother's letter? Here's your mother's letter. <laughs> but what did the Rebbe do? He turned it into an opportunity to speak to her about the power of nostalgia, yeah. But then, on the other hand, how nostalgia has to translate into practical action, how that affects you, your whole life, your ancestors' lives, and the purpose for the entire creation, and then encourage her to write up some more memoirs. Another incredible letter. Thank you for joining me, and I apologize for going over time, but I promise you I have another half an hour of stuff written in my notes here I wanted to say, and I'm holding back. Okay, good night.